you're joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Matthew Brown, and I serve as our digital engagement pastor here at Rolling Hills. We're on week three of our series, Eyes on Jesus. Throughout these past few weeks, we've been learning about why we worry and how we can look to Jesus in our times of stress and fear. In today's message, we'll be looking at some of the healthiest ways we can deal with stress while keeping Christ at the center. We're glad you're here. Well, good morning, friends. Uh, I hope you are doing well. And if you have a Bible, let me invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 is going to be our text this morning. And uh, while you're finding that, uh, let me just say welcome. Um, I'm really glad you're here. And if I've never met you, my name is Matthew, and I'm one of the pastors for Rolling Hills. And I'll tell you, my hope this morning is simply this, that... Maybe today um, you would have a fresh encounter with the Lord Jesus this morning, okay? Like, there is, y'all, there is so much bad news outside these doors, out into the world, but we have so much good news in Jesus in here, amen? And, and my hope this morning is that this time would be a, a little sacred and that this time would be refreshing like an oasis, in the middle of the wilderness that can be life sometimes. And that Jesus would show up and you would encounter him in maybe a new and refreshing way this morning as we jump into, uh, into his word. So uh, if, you're, if you're there yet, and if not, we'll have it on the screen. But 1 Peter 5, uh, starting with verse 6, says this. Humble yourselves, therefore... Under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is God's word. So today's topic is something I know no one here struggles with. (laughs) Stress and anxiety. Now let's get one thing clear. Um, I thought this is just totally the, the Lord's sense of humor that I would be the one preaching on this topic today. Uh, even when I told my wife that, uh, that I would be the one preaching on stress and anxiety, she busted out laughing. <laughs> um, because, uh, I, I mean, just to be clear, I am not the guy who has all of this figured out, okay? And in all honesty, I've had the most stressful 
month of my entire life, okay? And, and honestly, the last year and a half to two years have been incredibly stressful, and I'll, I'll tell you more about that at the end. But, but I want to make sure we know this, that this is not me today going, hey, I've got this all figured out, so you guys just be more like me, all right? That's not it at all. I'm going, we're in the same boat together, so let's run this thing to Jesus, who's the one who's actually in control of the whole world, and let's see what God's Word has to say about stress and anxiety, because Jesus is the one who says, hey, if you're weary and heavy laden, if you are burned and worn out, if the world is kicking your butt, he says, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Anybody need some rest today? Amen. So, I have three points. Uh, they're not clever. They're not catchy. You'll probably forget them by the end, but they're going to just guide our time this morning uh, throughout this text. And they come right from 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. And so the first point will be the reality of our anxiety. The second point will be what to do with our anxiety. And then the third will be Jesus cares for anxious people. And after uh, point number two, uh, we'll have Sarah come join us again and tell us a little bit more about her story. So I'm going to try to get through this as fast as possible so we can get to her because, y'all, it's great. So, um, so Peter starts off in verse 7 and he says, cast all your anxiety on him being Jesus. Now, this is great because I think the obvious point here is that the reality of anxiety is that we all have anxiety. We all face things that cause stress in our life. And so Peter's writing to a group of people and the people who'd be reading it, and he's assuming that the readers will have some sort of anxiety. So this is, this is no surprise to him or to his readers. And, and what's great is I imagine if I asked you to put up your hand, like just a show of hands, we're not going to do this, but if I said, hey, put up your hand if you face something stressful this week, I imagine every single one of us would have our hands up, like probably both hands, like way high in the air. I imagine if I asked this, I said, if you just face something stressful this morning, put up your hand, because <laughs> even, even coming to church can be a little stressful sometimes. See, that's the reality of anxiety is we all face anxiety. And here's what's amazing ab about Peter writing this. I mean, Peter's writing that we can cast all our anxieties on Jesus because he cares for us. Like, where did he get that from? And I think this is a guy who's, who I can relate to, a guy who doesn't have it all figured out, a guy who never struggles with stress or anxiety. I think it's the opposite. I mean, if you think just about Peter's life, that Peter's the guy who, if you, if you think back or maybe you've never heard the story where he stayed up all night long trying to catch fish. And he's a professional fisherman. This is how he makes his living. And he caught nothing all night long. I mean, I imagine that was a little stressful, especially when you have a family to take care of. You know, this is the guy who walked on water. 
like Jesus is walking on water and he jumped out the boat and walked on water. Like, how cool is that? But then all of a sudden, he put his eyes on the wind and the storm and the waves that were crashing. And what happened? He began to sink and he cried out to the Lord Jesus to save him. I imagine that was a little stressful, a little anxiety inducing. This is the guy who denied Jesus. And then the, the remorse he felt for that later on. See, see, I don't think Peter's a guy who had it all figured out. And, and what I love is even more is this is a guy I can relate to who struggles with the things that I've struggled with. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, hey, it's on you. On you, on this rock, I will build my church. So I just go, man, if you're the type of person who struggles with stress and anxiety, like do not count yourself out from what the Lord Jesus can do in your life and through your life. Okay, you are not alone in your struggles with stress and anxiety. But the problem is that we can't just say, well, I just struggle with that and stay there. And, and here's why. Jesus told a, a parable at one point. And he, he told, it's called the parable of the sower. And he, he makes this point that like, hey, sending out the good news, the gospel of Jesus, like, is like a seed that a sower plants on different types of soil. And I want to show you one of the soils that, that that seed can land on. And it's in Matthew 13. It's going to come on the screen. And Jesus said there's a soil that has thorns. Now watch what he says. He says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. Here's the good news of Jesus. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. You ever been there? Ever been in a situation where Things, there's so much pressure, so much anxiety, so much stress that it feels like life is just kind of choking the life out of you. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I meet and I come across all the time. I mean, sometimes we see them right here. And you walk in church and, and the greeters are there and they're so excited to see you, kind of annoyingly so sometimes, right? You know, and, and they walk in, they're like, hey, how are you? And you're like, fine, everything's fine. Like, life's fine, everything's fine. I'm not dying on inside, but everything's fine. You ever been there? I mean, come on. We Christians, we're great at the fine line. Like, I'm fine, everything's great. And really, like, the world's just burning. <laughs> Life is collapsing, it feels like. And, and what, in my experience, and that I've been in ministry for a lot of years, is I run across so many people, including Christians, including myself, who we're, we're, we're breathing, but we're not really alive. And we can allow the anxieties, the worries of this life to choke us out. You know, I, I do a lot of work with college students and young adults, and so I get to hear from counselors of big universities who have said, in recent years, college students especially are more stressed and more anxious and more depressed than they've ever seen. And what is happening is it's choking the life out of us. So what do we do? What do we do? And that leads to number two. 
what do we do with our anxiety? Is there any hope for anxious people? And so I want to sh- back up one verse, and I want to show a connection that, that Peter's making in the text, okay? And so backing up to verse 6, and, and this will come on the screen, and this is important, this very first word, and everybody, everybody say this word with me on the count of three. One, two, three, humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. That he may lift you up in due time. Okay, so we see humility and keep going. And then he says, cast all your anxiety on Jesus, him, because he cares for you. And next verse, and be alert and of what kind of mind? Sober mind. You see this connection? There's a connection between our anxiety and humility. And there's a connection between anxiety and and sobriety. And I think both are showing the two ways that we can approach our anxiety. One is there's this idea of casting. And it's this idea of like, I'm going to take the things that are causing me anxiety and I'm going to cast them on Jesus. I'm going to lay them on Jesus, on his strong shoulders. And so you get this idea that casting is actually very humbling. It's a humbling experience, meaning I have to admit that I'm not strong enough to carry all my burdens. It means that I have to admit that I'm not smart enough to figure out all my problems and I'm not capable enough to deal with everything coming at me on my own. I mean, have you ever woken up in the morning and looked at your to-do list and it said, it doesn't matter how much I crush it today, I will not get everything done. It's that humbling moment where we realize I am limited and it doesn't matter if I'm at my best all day long, I still can't get it all done. So what Peter says is here's, how we, here's what not to do with our anxiety. And he gives us two things. He says, one, don't try to do this on your own. You know, I think it's funny that the middle letter in the word anxiety is I. I mean, isn't that how we approach anxiety a lot of times? Like, like we try to do it on our own. It's, all, it's I got this. I can figure this out. I can do it on my own. Number one right here, like I don't have to tell anybody. And we, I hold it to myself and I keep everything in, inside. And what always happens is my anxiety just grows more and more and more, doesn't it? It just kind of like compounds on itself when I try to hold it in all to myself. See, pride does not like to admit it has anxieties. But humility disarms our anxieties. So we don't try to do it on our own. And number two, we don't try to escape it, right? And so Peter brings us up this idea of sober-mindedness, like being watchful, being aware that there's an enemy that's coming to try to steal and kill and destroy, but that Jesus has come to give life abundantly to the full. So he's making this point that there's a way to deal with our anxiety that is just trying to escape it. And we see this, right, in our world. We see people try to escape through alcohol, Drugs and substances, money, gambling, sex, or two very prominent ones I see lately, 
busyness. Like if I just stay so busy, I don't actually have to deal with my anxiety. If I just keep going, but what ends up happening is that I just, I'm spinning wheels and I'm not actually getting any traction. I mean, have you ever looked at your calendar? <laughs> like some of you are like, I do not have a calendar because like that thing would freak me out with all the stuff I have going on. <laughs> but what I find is like our outer world reflects our inner world. And the chaos around me actually reflects the chaos going on inside of me. This is why I tell some people who are close to me, I'm like, if my car is a wreck, that means my life inside's a wreck. You know, all the trash piling up inside the car, you know what I'm talking about? Like, usually that's a sign of things piling up inside of my soul. Busyness and entertainment. This is... This is it. The natural gravitation to escape and just laugh at everybody else's life because I want to cry at my own life. <laughs> right? But, y'all, there's a better way. There's a better way forward. And Peter says it. He says, so humble yourselves. Humility. Humility. And, and here's what's funny about humility. Humility can actually cause me more anxiety for a moment because humility is that like that tension that builds up that says oh my gosh I actually have to admit this but once we do that's when freedom comes that there may be the stress of oh my gosh I have to admit I made a mistake I have to admit I sinned I have to come face to face with my limits and my weaknesses that humility says I have to own up to my inadequacies and humility also means I have to surrender control. Which for some of us can be terrifying. So we can humbly admit, confess, and then two, we can cast it on Jesus. We can cast it on Jesus. Friends, we can't cast and carry at the same time. We can't hold on to all of our burdens and also give them to Jesus at the same time. So the better way is cast them on Jesus because he cares for us. Cast them on Jesus because here's what we know. The good news about Jesus is he is more than strong enough to carry the things that are weighing you and I down. Amen? More than strong enough. He is more than capable to control the things that feel so out of control in our lives. And listen, the very things that keep you and I up at night, Jesus is not losing any sleep over them. Come to him. Cast them on him. He will give us rest. Now, before I tell you my third point, I want to invite Sarah to come back on the stage because she can speak into this almost better than I can. And while she comes on the stage, why don't y'all check out this quick video about JMI.
All right, so y'all give it up for Sarah one more time. Like, amazing. So here's what's cool. Like, I just met you last week for the first time. And, but after this morning, like, I feel like I know you so well. And, like, it was so fun. But for those who may not know you, um, and, and I didn't know some of this until this morning, like, just tell us a little bit, like, of your story. Like, the three to five minute version of, you like in your life and how you got connected to JMI, how Jesus came into your life. Like, give us the paint the picture for us. Yeah. Bon dia. Bon dia. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so good to uh, be able to hear you in the middle of my stress. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, thank you for this word this morning. Well, so, thank you. Um, but I, I, I'm Brazilian. I grew up, I was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Um, and uh, into a Christian family, uh, accepted Christ when I was seven, got baptized because I was nine. Um, and it wasn't until high school that Jesus really began to mess up a little bit my plans. <laughs> in a sense of, um, I did want to be a doctor um, as I was in school. And it was in high school that he began to kind of get in my way a little yeah. bit. Um, and truly call me into something different. And uh, that was a struggle in itself because it was a dream of mine, and he was truly calling me into ministry, which uh, happened to be the best thing that truly could happen to mm. me. Um, as I went to Bible school in Rio, I was invited to come to the U.S. to finish my education um, in Florida, and I was at the end of my college degree, and God began to speak to me about uh, the Amazon, and I served there a few summers, and I mean, have mercy on me, and don't judge me, but I'm not a jungle person. Like, I, I, I you know, I'm a city girl. It's like, God, what are you doing? Like, how am I going to minister in the jungle, you know? So I truly said, you know, let's do this two years. I'll, you know, it's two years enough. Can we do this for two years? And I kind of thought that he said yes, uh, but it's been 12. Um, and uh, truly, I mean, I got to uh, visit so many village, uh, villages as I was beginning my work there in a region where we have over 20,000 villages spread out into the largest jungle in the world um, and the challenges in that. And so in 2012, um, I met Mary Catherine and I was actually in the merge of starting a Brazilian movement of missions so that nationals could also be on the field with us. And I felt like God was just merging nations for us to do the impossible because wow. he feels so many times like something that we cannot do. And we started to train jungle pastors together. Kelly, Mike Mentor, and some others were already, you know, passionate about that. And truly, it was, it's been through the, the jungle church that we have been able to push out the gospel mm. into places that I will probably never get to. Um, you truly can travel in the Amazon River for 20 days, day and night, day and night on a boat to get to a village where mm. um, sometimes there is a jungle church there already. And so we have been truly empowering that church and those pastors so that alongside them we can do more uh, for the gospel in the Amazon. So. I love that. That's amazing. So I've never been to the Amazon or Brazil. March. We have, so. <laughs> a, we have a trip coming up, you guys. Just sign up. It would we'll be, be amazing, amazing to go. The, the only connection I have is uh, my 
former church that I used to work at before moving to Nashville, uh, we worked with, we opened coffee shops and we worked with farmers directly uh, to, you know, get beans and all that stuff. But anyway, so total side note. But one thing you, you hit on, and I, I want you to speak to this because we have a lot of young adults, college students who come to this campus and uh, maybe people like me in their 30s still trying to figure out life. But you brought up, you were planning to be a doctor and somehow God called you into this. And, and I think it's funny that you bring up that you were not a jungle girl. You're like a city girl. Like, so how, give us some, just give us some advice on this. I mean, how did you know? Like, how can people know what God's calling them to? How did you figure out, like, okay, I'm giving up this career as a doctor to become this missionary? Speaking of that. Um, I did not want to hear. Like, so for God to tell me, um, it was truly a process of uh, a, a um, struggle in my heart as I was truly studying to go into med school. And I know it's hard here in the U.S. too, or kind of easy. Yeah, it's hard. Um, and um, part of me was like, I love this, but why am I not loving this? Mm. Um, and but I, I do. But how you know? And it wasn't a contentment. It was. Um, it was a holy bother, you know, just like God truly uh, messing me up inside. And it just got to a point that I, and it might be the best thing I've ever done in my life, but also the craziest thing I've done in my life when I stopped in my kitchen's floor, bawling on the floor and said, Lord, what do you want? Mm. And truly don't ask if you don't want to know, because he speaks. <laughs> I mean, he does, he speaks, and then he will tell you, you know, and he was like, well, here are the plans I have for you, you know, I'm like, no, remember we had a deal, like, Anything we, but that. we were going to med school, remember, and it was going to be awesome, um, and so I just felt like that anxiety even, you know, mm. that stress was actually moving me towards his will, and not so much um, holding me, but truly pushing me yeah. out of what I planned for my life towards what he wanted for my life. Yeah, I love that you bring that up because in, even in preparing for this message this weekend, I did some reading on anxiety and how God can use it even as a, a tool to get us where we need to be, that, that not all anxiety is evil or, you know, and, and so that's interesting you bring that up. We don't have time to talk about that, but... That, um, so since we're talking about stress, anxiety, I mean, I imagine you have faced unbelievable stress and anxiety over the last year in the pandemic, in the Amazon. I mean, what was that like? Can, I mean, help us understand a little bit of what you went through, what your team faced, and just kind of help us see through your eyes. Um, this, I feel like this last 18 months were a struggle for all of us in this room around the world. I don't think nobody got just easy mm. in those minds. Um, and especially in the Amazon, uh, I mean, it happened that we are in one of the most remote regions in the world. I mean, there's like 62 towns spread out into rivers. Like, we don't have roads. Like, you, got, you know, the 95, you know, those bigger, mm-mm. It's all water. And so <laughs> our buses, our big boats, our cars, our small boats. And <laughs> That's how we get around. And um, a lot of these villages, they don't have electricity, they don't have running water, um, no, obviously no hospital. And in a state of four million people, we only have Manaus as the big city who has, that ha mm. we have um, 
fully equipped hospitals in general, like even for regular seasons, that's what we get. Yeah. And um, in January of this year, we um, just opened a season of a new variant that eventually took over the country of Brazil that was very aggressive. And people were just going into a very, very deadly state of COVID-19 in a matter of like five, six days. Mm. Um, and it was right after New Year's, so people actually gathered, like so many people were together, and it's, the spread was, in, we could not control it. Mm. And so in, in January 14th, all of our hospitals, both public and private, could not take any patients. And as they, they were saturating so low, they could not breathe. Um, there was a lack of a shortage of medication. We could not find the medications to buy. We could not find oxygen for those who needed. We could, I mean, and I mean, I'm not saying this as like out there. Talita's dad and mom were homesick. Like mm. my, my staff had a, a brother who almost died in her house. Our vice president was in a hospital trying to stay alive as people were on the streets, literally on the streets, trying to find oxygen tanks to bring to people in home care. And in the face of that, I felt like God was just saying, you, you do something. And I'm mm. like, do I do what? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know these, like, what do I, I don't have, and the cost of it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you look at I'm like, I, literally, I, I still feel that way even now. <laughs> Me, like, and, and truly, um, it was the most um, heartbreaking, stressful, traumatic uh, season of our lives. Yeah. Um, and yet, like, God did so much good in the middle of it. Like, he, yeah. I know today, thousands of people are alive because of what he did through that season, too. Amen. You know? Amen. You know, er earlier you talked about this and said how God how we sing about how God has the whole world in his hands. And I love that in First Peter, he says God's mighty hand. Like that God, he didn't just say God's little hand or like God's mighty hand. He truly is in control even when we feel out of control. So how did, how did you stay faithful, hopeful, like during that time? I think I think First Peter, you know, he's writing to some, some people who obviously facing anxieties, persecution, and he ends like, here's how we stay, stay steadfast. Here's how we stay firm. Like, hang in there. This isn't over. Like, so how did you stay faithful and encouraged during that time? I wish I could say, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I just did what I do. But I had uh, truly, it's been such a journey of learning to trust uh, the Lord and seek out in prayer. And many, many years ago, a um, lady from church taught me to pray scriptures. And I believe in that so much. And there's three passages that teach me deeply that truly, nowadays I feel like I just claim them in those times. Yep. And one is when um, Peter, you're Peter, <laughs> the guy that, you know, in Brazil is Pedro. Uh, Pedro, uh, he is with Jesus right after, you know, he lets him down, denies, like, I don't know who he is. Um, and Jesus comes to Peter and he says, you know, do you love me? Yeah. You know, and I don't know how it is in English. In Portuguese, Peter responds, I do. <laughs> and um, Jesus says back to him, well, then care for my sheep. Yeah. And then he asks again, well, Peter, do you love me? And Peter goes, I, I, I just said, I do. <laughs> uh, but, and then he says again, uh, care for my sheep. And yeah. 
Peter, do you love me? And, and they go in through like this loop and Peter actually finds, you know, I did it, I, I said I do, you know? I, I do that sometimes too, I'm like, Lord, I, mm. uh, But then one thing there was so important for me is to understand that Jesus says, care for my mm. sheep. That's good. That it is his, they're not mine. Mm. It's not my world, it's not my state, it's not my jungle, it's not my villages, praise God because there are too many, can do it. And then every time I'm, and Sarah is such a problem solver. I yeah. love it, it's like, oh, you have a problem, come on, sit here, you know, we're gonna draw a plan for you. You know, I can, I can play that all day long. And in the face of the vastness of the problems and the challenges that we have, I really feel like I keep telling myself, it's not mine. And sometimes I'll pray that to Jesus saying, Jesus, you know, this is your jungle, you know. And sometimes I'm like, this is your jungle. Like, you take care of it. So it depends on how drastic things are. I need are. you to do something. Yeah. Hurry, let's go. Yeah, this year was already of like, you know, yeah. this is yours. Like, you do it. Uh, second thing, <laughs> second thing is actually um, when, you know, just realizing that I cannot do it. Yeah. Uh, and it may sound so simple, you know, even as you're here, you know, as a pastor saying, I struggle with this. And we're, so, we're getting used to admitting it. Yep. But to someone that has to have answers, to someone that has to have plans and say, this is what we're doing. This is the plan. This is the budget. This is this. And for me to say, I have no clue what I'm doing. Hmm. But there's so much freedom in that. I'm like, I don't know. And, and I can say to God, I'm like, what? Like, what do you want? How are you going to reply? Yeah. Like, what is your plan for this? Because I have nothing. I know nothing about oxygen, y'all. Like, nothing. Nothing. I don't know how many tanks they, like, I learned a lot, though. I can probably run a business by now. <laughs> I won't. But um, just to say that admitting that is, yeah. is liberating. There's so much healing. There's so yeah. much, so many miracles. That's right. I mean, when you say, I got nothing, Jesus is like, okay, what do you have? Oh, two fish, okay. Lord, Jesus, you know, bless it. And he goes, and there's like 1,500 thousands of food for people. He, he's a pro in these things. Yep. And so I kind of learned that admitting is actually a door to miracles. Yep. And third is um, just remaining. And I mean, yeah. Kelly mentioned this one time. She's in the Amazon, you know, teaching the women, and I'm translating for her. And I usually, you know, hear well what she's saying, but then the Holy Spirit is like, I know here, and Kelly's in this year. And Kelly's saying, you know, remain in him. If you remain in him, and I was like, yes. And, I, and, and I'm, you know, lost in translation and trying to hear the Holy Spirit. But, you know, John 15, you know, the Lord will say, I am the vine. You're just a branch. Don't try to be vine. You don't have, you don't have it. Like, and mm. just be, be a really good branch. That's how I feel. I'm like, God, you know what? I want to be a really good branch. You know, if I'm going to be a branch, let me be a really thick and pretty one with some flowers on it, you know? Um, and then, you know, truly this year, I felt like all that I could do, all that I could do was to remain. Every morning, I had no voice. I was getting shot from my throat as I was sick and leading this operation. I had nothing to give. My, I, I was an emotional wreck. And as far, I, mean, I mean, nobody could see it because I had this face. You know, the, I'm fine. Uh-huh. And then I was like, I'm, I'm just going to cry for a little bit. And then I was, you know, I was like, cry. And then I'm, hello, yes, you know, and doing it. And, God, and I would just tell God, God, I will remain. And you, you know the I remain in you, you remain in me, and let's do it. And I truly felt like I was just here like, okay, um, yes, what do you need? Okay. And, and I was just holding on to him, trying to, hoping that something was going to come out on this end. That's the truth. 
holding on and hoping that something was going to come out on the other on the other hand on the other side. And so, um, and and usually does because Amen. he's the most interested. God loves people. Yeah. And he was hearing every single prayer in that jungle, as people were like, "God, what That's are we going to so do?" Blah, blah, blah. And my job is just to not get in the way, kind of, but truly identify like where were they asking and wh what is he sending? Where's the vine need to get to? And so. Yeah. Sounds funny, uh, but it's it's hard, but it's awesome at yeah. the same time because he shows up. He's he really leads us through that, you know. Amen, amen. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. Like, y'all, is that not amazing? Incredible. Like, and my daughter's up there, and uh, she would love your shirt. So you have to make sure like you guys connect after service. You got it. But <laughs> have it. But you'll be around after service if anybody wants to chat with yeah. you or have questions. So thank you so much. Amen. Um, I love how Peter talks about um, know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Like this, we are not alone in this, whether we're here or in the Amazon or wherever we are. And Jesus, Peter says, after you've suffered a little while, Jesus will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Meaning, this is not the end, baby. Hang in there. Like, Jesus is not done. And he's still working, and he's still here, and he's not distant. You know, the thing about atheism and other religions so all those religions say we're alone in the world. All of those religions say there's nobody to cast our burdens to, but Jesus, and this is the last point, Jesus cares for anxious people, y'all. He cares for anxious people. And so there's a story of disciples in the middle of a storm on a boat, and Jesus, what's he doing? He was taking a nap. And the disciples get all frustrated and they wake him up and go, wait, 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 don't you even care? Like that was their question. Don't you care? And let's be honest, isn't, isn't that the root of a lot of our anxiety is we don't believe Jesus cares? Or if he does, he cares about somebody else, not me. Like I can't trust him really with what's going on in my life. But friends, we can trust Jesus. He's got arms wide open welcoming us to come to him. He has not run out of strength. He has not run out of grace. He's not run out of compassion. He's not run out of love or forgiveness for any of us. And what Jesus did in that boat was he stood up and he rebuked the storm and he said, Peace. Be still. And the Bible records there was a great calm so today I would say in, in Christ peace is possible he is the prince of peace what I want to invite us to do today is cast your cares on Jesus how do we do that man pray to him pray to him today let him know every little thing and major thing that is weighing you down. Give it to him. Cast it. Call it what it is. Whatever it is, you can give it to him. Tell him about it. And then maybe today you would tell someone else about it. 
We'll have some prayer counselors up here in a moment. I'll be around. Sarah will be around. Maybe you can tell somebody today. Like, remember, don't go this alone. Don't hold it to ourselves. And, and, and I, wanted, I wanted to be an example of this. Like, I'm in this together. And, and, and I was listening to a counselor this week talk to our staff. And she just kind of reiterated all, all the events of the last couple of years, y'all. And, and you need to know, my family, we moved to Nashville in July 2019. We made a huge move and we couldn't find a job for a while. And we had a clear call from God, though. And then in December, we got COVID before COVID was a thing. And then in March, a tornado hit three miles from our house. And then the world shut down. And then riots happened. And then a bombing happened. I mean, like, we've been in a war for a long time. And I remember going, I I need to talk to somebody. So I called a counselor friend and said, hey, can we get something on the books? Because... I need help processing all this. Maybe that's what we can do. We've, we know some great people. We'd just love to help. So if you would, would you just stand with me and let's pray. Go to the Lord. So Father in heaven, Lord, I'm so grateful for your word and your Son, Jesus, and your Spirit. And how when we come to you with all our anxieties that you're not meeting us with like just a distaste. You're not looking at us going, well, if you, would just, if you were just stronger, if you wouldn't have done that, or you, you're not waiting with reprimand. You're waiting with open arms and grace. You're inv- waiting with an invitation. So, God, I pray for anybody today that feels like you don't care or you're not there that... You would draw so close to them even now, nearer than than the wind when it brushes our skin. Come so close to us, Jesus. And God, for all of us, let us just believe that you care for anxious people. Let us be brave, courageous, humble to share what's going on in our hearts. And through it, Jesus we would experience the calm peace and we would walk out of here as people who are focused on you and full of faith and the world around us would go, man, they they have a divine calmness about their life and it would be an invitation to tell the world about you, Jesus. It's in your powerful, beautiful, amazing name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.